Today's episode is brought to you by Squarespace. Squarespace is the easiest way to create a beautiful website, blog, or online store for you and your ideas. Squarespace features an elegant interface, beautiful templates, and incredible 24-7 customer support that's no joke. Start building your website today at squarespace.com. Enter offer code CG at checkout to get 10% off. Let's talk about Mac Weldon, one of the earliest supporters of this show and someone who I am glad to support because their product is good. I'm wearing it right now. I feel good in it. My wife says I look good in it. Not trying to get a little too weird here, but it's just the truth. They have smart design, premium fabrics. It's very simple, the shopping process. Even I couldn't mess it up. They want you to be comfortable. If you don't like your first pair, just keep it. They still refund you. That's good business right there. No questions asked. Go to MacWeldon.com. You get 20% off using the promo code BEAUTIFUL. Hello, voyeurs. Hello, audio voyeurs. My name's Chris Gethard. You're listening to beautiful stories from anonymous people. One phone call. One hour. No names. No holds barred. I'd rather go one-on-one. I think it'll be more fun. And I'll get to know you. And you'll get to know me. I have not stopped thinking about this guy since I had the pleasure of talking to him. And I'll tell you, this guy, you'll all see it. He drops a bomb real early in this phone call. And he's either one of the most inspiring human beings I've ever talked to or uh, perhaps just a maniac. Let's get into it. I want to hear what you guys think about this one. Also, apologies to Tom Petty. We went pretty hard at Tom Petty. That being said, let's get it going. Beautiful Anonymous. Thank you for calling Beautiful Anonymous. A beeping noise will indicate when you are on the show with the host. Hey, this is Gethard. How are you? Yeah, how's it going? It's good. I'm a big fan of your work. Oh, thanks. That's really nice. Did you do a story once about, um, about like, a guy who poured pee on you? Was that you? No. No, that wasn't That's me. You. It you sounds might... like, no, it sounds like you might be a big fan of someone else's work. No, no, I mean, I've heard you on lots of podcasts. You do great work. Thanks. Thanks so much, yeah. How about you? What's, uh, what's, at the, what's, what's been on your mind lately? What's, what's, uh, what's, what's occupying your most recent days? Uh, I record a lot of music down in the basement. You record music in your basement. Do you ever, do you release it to the world? I do. I won't reveal my That's name, awesome. but I'm the, I'm the most prolific songwriter on earth. Your... The most prolific songwriter on earth. Yeah, 18,000 songs that I've released in the last uh, 10, 12 years. Wait, hold on a second, because there's a part of me that's hearing your voice and assumes you're being really serious and this is totally true, and then there's a part of me that feels like, is this a bit? Have you really released 18,000 songs? I have, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Including a a song about you, if you go on Spotify... You search your name, you'll see that there's a song about you by me. So wait, you're, <laughs> you're telling me, okay, because we got to make sure the whole premise of this is that it stays anonymous. Okay. So Sorry. I don't, so we can't, so no, that's okay. So don't name any band names or anything like that. But you're telling me that you randomly saw a tweet from a, another show and that you yeah. call in and you've written 18,000 songs and one of them's about me. This This is potentially the most interesting thing that's going to happen to me all week 
Yeah, just try to stop me from promoting myself too much. No, that's okay. I mean, you called in. You're welcome to do it. I just can't know your name, unfortunately, as part of the premise of this podcast. So it seems like out of all the calls we've had, you will be perhaps the easiest one to figure out because people can just Google most prolific songwriter in the world. Yeah. But that's I don't know. okay. I don't know if you find it that way. But yeah. It's okay. Let me ask you this. What compels a guy to write and release 18,000 songs? What compels well, a person to become the most prolific? And is this a certified record? No, but come on, 18,000, seriously. So you are the self-proclaimed most prolific <laughs> songwriter in the world. Yeah, yeah. Wow, okay. Now what's the impetus? Okay, ready? Ready? I was in, I was in like a regular band, me, me and my buddy making music that we, we put out albums, you know, just kind of get them out online, and no one bought any of them like total failures, except we'd write songs with weird words in the title. And those were just, <laughs> they'd, they'd earn me like $2 a year. And then one day I was like, wait a second. If I do 18,000 songs with weird words in the title and they all earn me about $2 a year, boom, that's an income. That's $36,000 a year. Yeah, they're not quite earning $2 a year, but I'm getting like 24000 a year from it. Is that true? You, you get $24,000 a year by writing songs that you are admitting are hastily prepared intentional cash grabs. <laughs> but what's amazing is how good for hastily prepared cash grabs, they're amazingly good. That's You'll stand by them. I stand by my novelty song. Yes, sir. But I'm going to tell you something I notice about you right away that I love. You yeah. know how to sell yourself. You know how to sell yourself, and I appreciate it. You're a hustler. You're on the grind. Well, you know, I'm still working the day job, and, uh, and it kills me because I'm the greatest songwriter of all time, you know? Sure. Now, I don't know where you live. I don't know what region of the world. Yeah, the live phone in Massachusetts. number right now was... Was Massachusetts? Is that just because it's like an online thing? Wait, the phone dial, the number you called is in Massachusetts. Yeah, is that just because? Oh it's yeah, like no. Through Google. Yeah, no, that's yeah. yeah, that's through some third party service. I'm in New York City, man. I'm in I'm in New York City, the Big Apple, the city that yeah, never hey, sleeps, man. That's where I grind on, it out. That's where I hustle. That's where I grind. New York. You were great on this. You were on This American Life just a couple weeks ago, right? Tell me, I remember that I was, correctly. I was. I was you doing improv that? with a bunch of people. Good work. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, I so, apologize. There was, a, there was a This American Life episode that I thought it was you, but I've definitely heard you a few times. And uh, Do you still do the public access show? Well, I tell you what, the public access show got picked up by a network called Fusion, which is a cable network, so it's my job now. And that's that really exciting. Fantastic. I feel really good. Sounds like you and me actually have a lot in common. Like, we do, because like what, what we do is we, we, we stay the course and we just keep doing our thing with the hope that the world will catch up eventually, you know? Yeah, like my, my favorite musician, my favorite band of all time is the Smiths. And they nice. once put out an album, a compilation called The World Won't Listen. And that, yeah. that always rung true with me. And you got to make them listen. So let's talk about that. So, so how many songs do you get in out of the 18,000 songs before you're like, like, like I would imagine you have many, you have to have a crisis of faith at some point, right? There has to be many points where you're like, how many of these am I actually going to do? 
Yeah, well, I've set a, I've set a deadline. On the, the day I turn 40, if it hasn't happened, I'm done. Sorry, world. You, you missed your chance. How many, been, uh, how many years away is that? Two and a half years away. And was the goal to write 18,000 songs specifically, or is that just the running tally? Uh, I'm, I'm looking toward hitting 20,000 by the time I'm, I threaten to retire. So in the next two and a half years, you're going to write 2,000 more songs. Yeah, and that's slowing down a, the pace. 1,000 songs a year, roughly three. You write roughly three songs a day. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's, it's, there's only like two or three days a week when I'm able to record, so whatever that works out to. But I did an album called Common Phrases. That was one of my most recent ones where I Googled the 80 most popular common phrases, and then I wrote a song based on each one. And it's amazing. And then is the idea people will go on iTunes and happen to search that phrase because it's possible, and then... Yeah. You know, because it's it's popular, and then they'll download that song, and you'll get like point oh oh three cents each time. Yes. And you say all your songs are amazing. You say you've written eighteen thousand songs, and they're all yeah. great. Well, I mean, obviously, come on, you know, obviously, some are better than others. But I mean, my my general approach to creativity is just do it and do it and do it, and uh, you might end up with if you do ten songs in a day. I don't know, six might be mediocre, two might be horrible, but two could be gems, and then just and release, release them all. Anyway. all. Yeah. You release them all anyway. Yeah. Wow. So does this take up all your free time? Yeah, but I don't what have a lot. What does your family think? How does your family think? You got kids well, or anything? Yeah, I got a one-and-a-half-year-old. Um, I just put him down for a nap, and I was actually going to go record a couple songs, but then I saw this tweet, and I thought, hey... I'm a big fan of this guy. I want to chat with him. And uh, here we That's are. That's awesome. Yeah, so but, you, know, you have any, a family. Anytime I have an open window, yeah. That mean, does, does that mean you have a, a spouse, a, a significant other? Yeah, I got a wife. And, um, you know, I mean, if it wasn't bringing in money, she'd probably say you're spending too much time in the basement. But, um, you know, it's it's a substantial enough income with a, with a chance. So maybe, come on, just I could even just double it. That would be beautiful. So if you talk to me for an hour, I'm costing the world about two and a half songs. Yeah, I know. But, you know, I can make up for it pretty quickly. Are you, I'm asking this genuinely, and I'm not one yeah. to judge at all. Yeah. I'm not saying this in a way that's meant to be judgmental. Are you so, a madman? Are you a crazy person? No, let me tell you something about the tortured artist myth. It's a total myth. Yeah. It's ridiculous. All these people are like, Oh, only drug-addled maniacs can produce true works of art, and that's complete garbage. And and most of the um, people we celebrate as drug-addled maniacs, I bet half of them fake it just because they know it sells their story. You need to have some kind of catchy story to go along with your art. And unfortunately, uh, drug-addled maniacs works. I wish it didn't because I'm I'm neither. Well, I really agree with that because I'm a, a comedian and the rumor with comedians is everybody needs to be depressed in order to be, to be creative. And I, I happen to be, it is stupid because I think I actually happen to be depressed. I've been in treatment for years, on medications for years, for like 11 mm -hmm. years. I've been seeing shrinks and taking pills. And what I've noticed is that there are many people, in my, like even me when I was young, I was like, man, I can't go on antidepressants because I won't be creative anymore. And what actually happened 
was I got more creative because I was able to be focused and organized and positive and not get down on myself and not give into these like manic fits and stuff like that. So I actually really feel like that story of um, every, you have to be kind of depressed and dark to be a comedian is dangerous because my guess is there's a lot of creative people who don't get help because they think that it's a piece of why they're creative. And I think that's really dangerous. And I bet just like you said, musicians, I bet there's a lot of musicians who even fall into drugs to try to engineer some sort of creativity or some kind of story. And yeah. I, I think it's a, I think those are real bad myths about artists. I think you and I, again, you proved that we have a lot in common, but I will say this. I didn't ask you if you're crazy or a madman um, because you fit the stereotype of an artist. I, I did it because 18,000 songs. Yeah. I love, that's a I different, love it. I mean, that's a different, yeah. that's a different thing. <laughs> I mean, I was kind of doing it before it even made money with my original band. I just have this uh, re- overwhelming desire to create, you know. So I'm that's since I was a kid, but I don't. Think, yeah. I, I mean, based, if you look at how many hours of TV do most people watch in a day, and they'll tell you one hour when in in actuality it's four hours. They don't even they don't even keep track of it. Yeah. And it's it's like just cut that in half and spend two hours working on something productive and you know honestly it's not even that exhausting getting to 18,000 songs you just just go to work just go to work i think the best artists are the ones who don't call themselves artists they just they're just going to work and you working know, like class that, blue collar artists i have, i will tell yeah. you i'm getting amped up i'm getting inspired because you're speaking my language cuz i've always felt like i'm a dude from new jersey from a pretty blue collar neighborhood who wasn't supposed yeah. to be creative. And here's what I do is I just make stuff and hope that the rest works out. And sometimes it does. It's nice. Yeah, but you stay the course. I and mean, how many years were you doing public access? So Four long years, my friend. Four very long uh, years. Yeah, and I bet there were moments where you're like, you were like, what, what am I doing? <laughs> so many stretches of that and so many stretches. I wonder, I don't know if you have this from the people who consume your material but so many times where I was like I think I'm just about done with this and almost always when I was ready to pull the trigger and quit I'd get an email from someone and it would be like hey you're making something really cool and you know me and this girl both were fans and now we're dating and it, we got together yeah, because we beautiful? both like this yeah. weird thing you do and it's like alright I'm going to keep this going for another three months because I'm going to think about yeah. that email every time I want to quit do you have fans do you have people do you know are there people who have listened to all 18,000 of your songs do you I have any fans guy. that have consumed all of it one guy well, publicly at least he, he would tweet out every time he got through another one of my albums um, until he was done there's 303 albums that he had do you to get know this guy for. in real life is he a friend in real life or is he just somebody no, out there just some guy on and Twitter. is that what's your relationship with him like like is he a lifeline to you at, at, at times <laughs> uh no i mean not not specifically but i mean i don't need much it's like if i just get one <laughs> positive feedback or if i like i did an i did an album with 91 songs about office supplies and, um, you did an album had, with 91 songs about office supplies. Yeah. And so um, one song about, let me hold on before you move on cuz I want hold your thought, hold your thought. Yeah. Whatever yeah. you're about to say, I want to get it. We're discussing that guy and the positive feedback. Hold your thought. You're telling me 91 songs. So one about paper clips. Probably. Yeah, I don't remember specifically, but hopefully. 
Otherwise, one about a stapler. People. You yeah, don't even. Staples. How could you? you staples. Yeah. You don't even remember the topics of any. Ninety nine point nine percent of your songs, you could not remember if someone referenced them to you. True or false? Oh no, no, no! Like like twenty percent. I'm I'm a I'm a big fan. I listen to myself a lot. You're a big fan of your own music. How many of the eighteen thousand songs do you listen to regularly? Would you say? Um, about uh, I made a I made a playlist of two hundred fifty of the best. It's a mere seven hours of uh of entertainment, and uh, I, I put that on random quite frequently. So you have a playlist that is seven hours long of your own music, and you often listen to it on shuffle. Yeah, because I do it on Spotify. I get you know a, a half a penny. While listening to myself, too. Yeah. So, okay. So, again, the artist and the businessman that both live inside well, you meet again. Okay, let me tell Yeah, let me tell you about the artist and the businessman. The, tell me about artist, the artist and the businessman. Okay, let me tell you. Every cool, awesome, drug-addled artist um, rips off their fans, frankly. Um, I mean, like Tom Petty, he's a super cool guy, right? Although I saw him live and I was really psyched, and I will say it was the most disappointing concert I've ever been to. Okay, well let's pile on then with Tom Petty because he's yeah. Mr. Let's cool. both go after Tom Petty. He lo- he loves his, his fans. You know his fans are or love him because he's this cool rock and roll dude. And it's not his fault. Of course, it's not his fault that the record company forced him to release a greatest hits CD with two new songs on it back in 1994. So yeah, if, if the stupid fan wanted these two songs. We had to buy a whole CD for $16. And Petty's like, hey, not my fault. The record company did it. It's like, but don't sign with a record company if they're going to rip off your fans like that. It's true, man. <sighs> it's true. Like, Every again, lady, to bring it back to yeah. the Smiths, the Smiths have a lyric, reissue, repackage, repackage, reevaluate the songs. It's, it's all about that. And but then oh, again, oh, oh. the Smiths and Morrissey. Uh, Morrissey has gone on to release endless greatest hit song and, and and albums and do that exact thing. Did he repackage? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, he he called that out in the '80s when he was angry, like you and I are, and now he just and then the he's gone thing. on to do it. Yeah. Oh, that makes me so mad. It's you know I don't, I don't know that they hide behind the big the big record company and. But I mean, by signing with a record company, you are part of it, you know? So, so let just, me ask you, fun. let me ask you this. Let me ask you this, my In friend, the artist and the dying. businessman. <laughs> you knew the question and you answered it first. I don't want to, I don't want to, but look, I mean, let's face it. Uh, I mean, Hold I'm on. in that basement. Yeah. Hold on. Let me talk. <laughs> you literally did not take a breath. You judo flipped. While you were ranting about how repackaging and reissues are evil and rude to the fans, I said, let me ask you something. You anticipated that. I was going to ask you if somebody came along and said they wanted to put out your 100 greatest hits at your 18,000. You didn't even take a breath from the last sentence. Where You had started the last sentence by saying this is evil and these people rip off their fans. I would do it in a heartbeat was the end of your sentence. So it's like the artist it. was at the beginning of your sentence and the businessman was at the end. I will be gosh darn honest about it, though, Chris. That's the thing. I, if I do it, and I don't want to do it. I'm just saying, look, I mean, what, what am I going to do? I'm almost 40 years old. I'm still trying to be a rock star. And I think but I'm don't you think? don't you think there was a stretch in Tom Petty's life when he was like, 
19 20? years old? Like, well, yeah, well, 19. I'm, I'm twice the age. I got another baby on the way. But don't you think there was a stretch of his life where he was like, man, I'm just writing these songs. Nobody wants to listen. And if I ever get a chance to cash in, I'm gonna, which is the same exact conversation you're having with yourself right now. Yeah, but he acts cool. He, 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 he acts cool and he hides. So you don't stop acting cool. You're promising me that if you ever sell out. I've never been cool. (laughs) Cool cool is the worst thing in the world. Everything that's cool is not actually cool. And um, I'm starting a revolution right here on your show. (laughs) You are. This is the flashpoint of a movement. I anticipate that a lot of people, as soon as you just said the word revolution, a lot of people listening to this took the earphones out, threw their iPods on the ground, and sprinted into the streets to start burning down buildings as part of the revolution you and I are starting here today. It's beautiful. And, and, and I'm, I'm telling you, I've, I've listened to you on several podcasts. I like, I like your uh, attitude. I like where you're Thanks, coming man. from. And, Thanks. Um, you know, this is pretty awesome. Thanks for having me on, but I can force you to talk Please. to you for, what, another almost half hour? Yeah. <laughs> 40 minutes, bro. 40 minutes. Let me tell you something else. We just looked it up. Yeah. Tom Petty, your enemy, yeah. Tom Petty, a man you have called out, put in the crosshairs, said represents yeah. everything bad about literally capitalism to you and yeah. art and, and yeah. compromise. Yeah. He's only written 84 songs and he co-wrote some of those. Oh my God. That's the other thing. What are these guys doing? Releasing an album every two years. And well, there's on. an argument to be made that they're really trying to take their time and get it right. No, there is no, an no, argument no. to be made oh, well, that they're not just what? farting out anything about a stapler that pops into their head. Well, shame on them. Shame on them. <laughs> and look at the Beatles. I mean, the Beatles are putting two and three albums out a year. Um, true. And they're, That's they're true. all superb. And it's the record companies who have figured out that they can make more money if they just push, push, push one album for two years instead of three albums in one year. So they're doing it for the money. It just, ah, what a, what a shame. What a shame. Don't miss the rest of this conversation. I'm telling you, okay? We'll be right back after this very short message. Are you looking to spice things up in the bedroom? I think we all are from time to time. You heard my voice crack as I talked about that very sexy issue. Have you been fantasizing about surprising your lover with an adventurous new toy or adult movie? Well, here's an offer you won't be able to resist. Go to adamandeve.com. For a limited time, you'll get 50% off just about any item. And that is not all. No, no, no. When you select your one item at 50% off, you also receive three free adult DVDs. Get a little inspiration going that way. Plus, a free extra gift so sensual, I can't even talk about it on this podcast. And to top it all off, they'll even throw in free shipping on your entire order. And they are not kidding about that. So check out adamandeve.com today for this special offer. You get 50% off one item when you type stories for the offer code upon checkout. When you do, you get three free DVDs, a free extra gift, and free shipping. Just use offer code STORIES at adamandeve.com. That's S-T-O-R-I-E-S at adamandeve.com. These days, you can get practically everything in your life on demand, like this podcast you're listening to. You're listening to it whenever you want, when it's convenient for you. So why do you still go to the post office and deal with limited hours when you can get postage on demand with stamps.com? 
anything you can do at the post office, you can do right now from your desk with Stamps.com. Buy and print official U.S. postage for any letter, package. You use your own computer and printer to do it. And unlike the post office, Stamps.com never closes. So get your postage whenever you need it, 24-7. And look, we all know this. I remember days when, when I was uh, starting my own stuff. You know, you print T-shirts. Like for the Get Third Show, we printed T-shirts. Go to the post office with all these envelopes, packages. People look at me like I'm a dirtbag because I got a lot of envelopes to send. Nobody judges you. Stamps.com, you do it on your own right now. Sign up for Stamps.com. Use my promo code BEAUTIFUL for the special offer. You get a four-week trial plus a $110 bonus offer, including postage and a digital scale. Don't wait. Go to Stamps.com. Before you do anything else, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in BEAUTIFUL. That's Stamps.com. Enter BEAUTIFUL. A huge thanks to all of the advertisers that are supporting Beautiful Anonymous. Much appreciated. Now, let's get back to the calls. And it's the record companies who have figured out that they can make more money if they just push, push, push one album for two years instead of three albums in one year. So... They're doing it for the money. It just ah, what a what a shame! What a shame! Let me ask you another thing. I have a question. I'm very interested in because you sound like a guy you've thought about your career in this aspect of it backwards and forwards. It sounds like your principles. It's all, it's all I think about. Clearly, you write that many songs. You're clearly obsessed. And also, I will say, you 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 say you've heard me on a few things. You know that I'm one to start messing around. I'm not asking this question disrespectfully. You have told me you are the most prolific songwriter in the world. You have also said all of your songs are great. You listen to them on the regular because you stand by them that they are great. You have called out Tom Petty. You have thrown Tom Petty under the bus. You have named names. Makes me wonder, who do you view as your peers? Who are the Uh, artists that are doing it the right way and that you listen to that you think are also great that match up with your principles that also make great music? Who's on your level? Well, I, I do, I do like Jonathan Richmond. Um, you know him, uh-huh. modern. Yeah, I, I like what I he do. does. He seems seems to kind of keep his nose down, put out music. He 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 um, tours just with a drummer, no frills, um, and and he kind of celebrates m- mundane things. So I like that, but I don't know. I don't know how he handles his business, so I can't say for sure. Um, uh, but look, I mean, the thing is. At Tom Petty's time, he had no, he didn't have much of a choice. I'll give him that because, it, you know, the whole you couldn't self-release and and be available worldwide uh, in 1975. So uh, I'll give him that much. But nowadays, so you we don't think have that the changing technology, you you think that on principle, artists should be walking away from record companies? Yes, a hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, I I tell you what, I don't I don't disagree or. There's also clearly a crop of record companies that actively go boutique and smaller to maintain principles. Do you support those, or is it across the board? I, I think each I think each artist should be his or her own record company because everything wow. gets too big. It's inevitable. Everything's going to get big and bloated. And um, I put out a comedy album. I put it out on a record label. Put it out on Don Giovanni Records. It's a punk rock label out of Jersey. I like the yeah. bands they put out. I like the things they stand for. But you're saying, no, Gethard fucked up. Should have self released. Uh, you're not not a true artist. Well, for a not very a true businessman. Very small fee. You could have um, just put it out yourself and then kept all the proceeds. Of course, there's a trade off because they're gonna 
promote you. So, you know, it might be worth and it. I also, but, um, I also felt like, well, there's, there's a, there's a label that I really agree with what they do. And, um, I would like having their principles endorse me. And I would like as a person of principle to endorse them for whatever that means. Can I get back to Petty real quick? You go after Tom Petty. Okay, listen to this. This is your chance. Uh, this is your chance to go out to the public and just <laughs> cut this motherfucker Tom Petty off at the just take him out at the knees. Petty's Mr. Cool, right? Totally cool dude. And um, He was at one point, I think. You know Peter Bogdanovich, the director? Yeah, I'm aware of him, yeah. Yeah, so he's on Mark Maron's podcast, and he mentions that um, that Tom Petty and Tom Petty's people approached him and asked if Peter Bogdanovich would make a four-hour documentary about Petty. And it's just like, oh, my, Tom, Tom, you already won. You won that life. And and now you're, you're seeking out uh, award-winning directors to make ridiculously long movies about how great you are? Come on, Tom. Come on. At what point in your life... Did this real resentment of Tom Petty begin? And and can I ask, I would say it seems like there are many other artists that are also examples of this problem, maybe even more egregiously, you might argue. But it seems well, like you well, have a real hard-on for Tom Petty. Well, um, you know, there are many others. You know, the same thing with Dylan, the Martin Scorsese documentary about Dylan, where in the documentary, Dylan talks about how he finds people interviewing him to be annoying. And then you discover that like Dylan's Dylan and his team were behind the production of that documentary. It, but it's just anyone in entertainment is ridiculously needy. They're, they're the most needy people oh, you could ever sure. As a person in entertainment, I can vouch for that on my own. Absolutely. I'm a very needy man. I'm a needy man too, you know, but um, they seem to have no self-awareness about it and no honesty. That's the other thing because, they put up this front of coolness that they sell to us uh, desperately while uh, all the while just like scrambling and desperately trying to, to get even bigger and bigger. And it's just like, come on. These people, they're like I evil like corporations. Yeah. You're a man of principle. I like it. Can I ask you yeah. another question about the songs themselves? Because I'm sending you into a real agitated place. Let me yeah. ask you this. You yeah. have a wife. You have 18,000 songs. Now, love songs, perhaps, especially in pop music, the most popular topic of a song, a love song. Yeah. How many of the 18,000 songs are about your wife? Uh, you know, maybe maybe like a dozen or so. Um, yeah, give or take. Give or take. Out of 18,000, <laughs> you're telling me out of 18,000 songs. Yes. Maybe 12 are about the person you chose to marry and father children with. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've, how many songs has she written about me? And I'll tell you, zero, you know? So I'm, I'm Does she 12. write songs? Um, no, no, no. But yeah, what I'm, does you know, she do? She, her, her day job is um, making teeth for dental implants. Has she ever made you teeth? She never made me a tooth, you know? I, I don't want to ask for it, but, you know, it would be nice. How many teeth has she made? Not nearly as many as I've made songs, but still, you know? But, but the thing is, look, how many love songs can, can, there's enough. It's like, all right, we've, we've got enough love songs. How about, let's look around. What about staplers? 
<laughs> so you're and, wait, you're mad yeah. about how commercial music is. You're mad that yeah. all the so, that love songs are played out, and you're fighting against it. You got you're going non-commercial, self-release songs about uh, you know a, a post-it notepad. Yeah, I wonder if I, I try to stay away from brand names. I'm not sure that I did post-it notes. Is yeah, that a brand name? Not, I believe Post-It is a brand name. I mean, if you want to no, call it. It's like a Kleenex you know, thing. Maybe, yeah, I mean, maybe they'd, they'd be called Sticky Notes otherwise. Yeah. But, it's, a good, um, uh, it's a good question that's going to burn at me forever, and I can't help but wonder if a song might solve it. Can I tell you about another great album called Household Products and Household Items? Can I ask, did you put out this album? Yeah, 81 songs, about exactly what the title tells you. And it's surprisingly um, deep. That's the thing. Surprisingly deep album. Um, the album how, has been out. How so? There, there's just like a certain, there's something going on there. You're listening to it and you're like, wow, these, these are silly, weird songs. And then after a while, you're like, what's going on here? This is interesting. And it, it's quite intriguing. And, and, and I'm serious. I'm serious. Um, now, yeah, out of I'm, those 81 I, songs about household products, which one would you say cuts the most deep? Heating oil. <laughs> what is it about your song about heating oil that speaks to the human condition? I, I, it's, it's just this, like, strange celebration. Uh, like, like I said with Jonathan Richmond, it's a celebration of the mundane. You know, it's a wide-eyed look at things we take for granted. Can I call you out on something? Yeah. You're here. You don't like that Dylan had score. He produced his own Scorsese documentary. You don't like that Tom Petty is trying to compromise Bogdanovich. You think everything should be self-released. You don't like repackaging. You don't like all this promotion. You don't like all this fake gilded stuff. You don't like people who write their story instead of just standing on the merits of their music. At the right. same time, I bet yeah. a lot of people listening to this might say, despite all that, a lot of what you've said just sounds like also self-promotion and crafting your own story. Yeah, and doesn't it stink? Self-promotion stinks. Self-promotion is not cool. What's cool is secretly paying someone else to make a movie about you and seeming acting reluctant about it. But you know what? That's not honest. Honestly, we're all desperate self-promoters, and I am one of the rare ones who's saying, yes, I am a desperate self-promoter. I know it stinks. I'm going to make it as entertaining as possible. But all the cool people that you, you like better than me are lying. Ooh. Wow. You got into good, it. You huh? just went at it, doggy. You just went at it. So you got another kid on the way, huh? Got another kid on the way, and it would it'd be real nice if I could just uh, make music and, and make just, yeah, I'm, I just want to earn like what an average you know, teacher makes or something. I'm not looking for superstardom. What's your, uh, can I ask what your day gig is? Yeah, I work three days a week at a group home for teenagers. Oh, like, that's uh, beautiful. Abuse and neglect cases. When they're bad, I force them to listen to my music. It's great. Wait. You work with <laughs> abuse teens. Just joking. That one's a joke? No, no. I actually, I actually work there, but like I'll say to them, I'm, if they're misbehaving, I'll be like, hey, if you don't turn things around, I'm going to play you one of my songs. And then it's a good way to kind of just break the ice and, uh, break the tension and they'll, then they'll just start laughing and everyone's happy. 
Okay, so that's a bit you do with these kids. Because I'm I've I have learned already half an hour into knowing you to take yeah. most of what you say at face value. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll tell you. I'll tell you if I'm lying. So you so you I can say this this is a thing that it really touches me to say. The things you do in the world are you help kids who need help and you put art yeah. into the world. Yeah, fifteen years I've been working at this uh group home and um, That's a really a great beautiful job. thing. That's a great life you've set up for yourself. It is. It is. And I feel bad saying I want to become a full-time musician because it's like, oh, you don't want to help, <laughs> you don't want to help children anymore. But No, you know, but uh, I think, you know, I think there's a thing as an artist too where it's like, "A, you uh you definitely I feel like as an artist, the whole idea just like you said the whole idea of a tortured artist is kind of a fallacy. I also think the idea of a starving artist is romanticized a little more than it should be. Because the average artist is is upper class, you know. I mean, you got to be edu- for the most part. You got to be educated. You got to have leisure time. If you if you don't have that, you don't have time to develop your craft. Um, you know. So there's truth to that. But I even think with the starving artists, I know it's funny this came up because just last night I'm friends with a lot of musicians at this point because with the 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 show I host with the Chris Gethard show, we have musical guests on, and I've become buddies with a lot of them. And one guy was texting me last night saying he got offered to write music for this commercial and it and he was wondering he was like is this a thing that I can do and we were going back and forth cuz I was saying to him like there's something to be said for the fact that you're a person of principles and that's what's gotten you as far it's awesome at the same time at what point does an artist say like I deserve to pay my rent with this and if I have to yeah. compromise what that is how do I rationalize that? You know? Yeah, and what's the product? I mean, you know, is it a product so it that seems you to use? Me, is it a harmless product? Is it a thing that, you know, are you going to look into it and say it's not evil? So to me, it feels like, to loop it back around to you, it's like, well, you're saying you feel bad, but at the same time, clearly you've been there for 15 years, you've helped a lot of kids, probably seen many, many hard things along the way. At a certain mm-hmm. point, it feels like you have earned the right to uh, to be an artist Probably, but I would yeah. say you earned the right to be an artist probably about 13,000 songs ago. It also sounds like you make a real effort to do something good with it, with what you're saying with your songs, even though I would have to imagine, again, in an odd judgmental way, most people probably aren't hearing a song about heating oil and having their heartstrings tugged at right out of the gate. My, I mean, yeah. you, definitely are, you definitely are an outsider artist who's maybe not making some of this, uh, some of this depth and some of this... Um, thought you've put into it the most accessible. Yeah, it's pretty poppy stuff, though. It's pretty, uh, it's pretty accessible stuff. Um, you like the, you like the Minutemen? You like the Minutemen? Not familiar with the work of the Minutemen. No. Hey, okay. uh, how's Ira Glass? Is he cool? Ira Glass is real cool, man. Great yeah. question. Remember when Mike Daisy uh, lied to Ira Glass? Remember that? Oh yeah. And you, you heard him, I heard that podcast, and I was like, "Oh, I don't ever want Ira Glass mad at me." That's one. Of, that's what I took away from that. You should look up the song "Mike Daisy." Why you got to tell lies to Ira Glass? That's a good song. Yeah, but let me guess who wrote that. Let me guess who wrote that. Let's go. <laughs> this is Ira Glass is a real, real kind man and a real driven man and a very inspiring guy to be around because he's super smart and works hard and really thinks about what he does. And he's been very supportive of me over the um, past few years. 
And it means a lot. And it's weird. I found that in my interactions with Ira, what's weird is that he's like a really regular guy. He's just like a really regular, thoughtful guy. And I like... And he's working. He's got to put out a new show every, you know, every week. A hustler. And, and a hustler. Too, get Big it time. Done. Get it done. Don't, don't, sit, don't time. be in a field meditating about the, the meaning of life. No. Get to work. Get the story. Get it done by a deadline. Deadlines are huge. Yes. I agree Deadlines with you. And here's gigantic. Another, too many artists think that you it's like Star Wars, like you use the fucking force, like it's magical and mystical and we're all connected and it'll come to you. And it's not. You got to sit down and do the work. Get organized. You finish that Ken Burns documentary about the Roosevelts later, man. Get right. That's advice to myself. I mean, the Roosevelts were rad. You want to get struck by lightning, go out in the field. You know what I'm saying? And this is a metaphor in which lightning is inspiration and the field is wherever you do your work. Yeah, yeah. You go. You want to hide. You you want to you want to hide inside because you're scared of the storm. That's your own fear. You'll never be an artist if you're scared to get struck by lightning. And it could burn you, but it could electrify you. So not only should you be out in the field, I say you stand under a tree holding an aluminum bat, yelling, "Nature ain't shit. Come get me." Where is this one going? I don't know. Do you know? Probably not. That would be impossible. Stick around. We'll all find out together. We just have to take a short break. Let's talk about Squarespace, a product I am very happy and proud to endorse because they allow you to make a website in a very simple fashion, a simple, easy-to-make website that you can do yourself that's very intuitive, that you don't need to know code. This is a beautiful thing in this world because making websites is hard. I've used Squarespace to make websites, and I will tell you they are everything they claim to be. Even I couldn't mess it up, and I'm very dense when it comes to this type of thing. The sites, they look professionally designed regardless of your skill level. You don't, like I said, you don't have to sit here and be a genius. You don't have to know how to do code and all that. You can do it if you're just a regular guy like me. Uh, It's intuitive, easy to use. You get a free domain if you sign up for a year. Start your free trial site today. You go to squarespace.com. When you decide to sign up for Squarespace, make sure to use the offer code CG to get 10% off your first purchase. That's CG, like Chris Gethard, 10% off. There's no reason not to do this. It's all about the phone calls, baby. So let's get back into it. Here we go. So not only should you be out in the field, I say you stand under a tree holding an aluminum bat yelling, nature ain't shit, come get me. Can I tell you something else? Yeah. Nothing phases you, you, huh? You got to get through. You got to get through the bad. Whatever whatever you're creating, whatever you're working on, don't just stop. Don't, Don't bail on it. Finish it. Even if it stinks, finish the project. And then that opens yes. you up to do the next project. I got a story that's going to set you off, man. I want to hear your reaction to this. <laughs> I got a friend who was in a band, and this band was great. Beloved. Then the nice. band broke up, and he uh. had this massive writer's block. Mm-hmm. And everybody would say to him, what are you going to put out your own thing? Everybody's ready. Everybody wants to hear it. Coming from you, everybody wants to hear it. And he was... He, he, he was locked up. He was locked up. And I think he, he talked to me at a certain point. And he was like, I realized that I needed to be willing to fail again. And I had mm-hmm. success with the previous thing. And I felt like I wasn't allowed to fail after that. But every artist needs to know you're allowed to fail. Yeah, that's why sophomore albums are notoriously weak. Yeah, except Meet is Murder by the Smiths. Great album. 
Yeah, I'm not, I don't know. I don't know the Smiths at all. I'm gonna have to look into that. I think that. you'd like them. My guess is that you would love the Smiths, but hate Morrissey. Okay. Is he kind of have the artistic uh, approach? He's a little pretentious, but and and his work's less consistent. He puts it out there. I I really believe in him. I like the guy, although he says a lot of crazy things and offensive things these days. But I think he has good intentions. But the Smiths, they just came out and they were like, we're gonna write songs that are different than anybody else. We're pissed off. We're people who are not supposed to be heard from. We're supposed to be seen, not heard. And screw that, man. He was he's like a feminine guy, Irish Irish background, Irish immigrant family living in England in Manchester, which is up in northern England, which gets shit on in the eighties when it was completely economically depressed. And he's like a kinda I would say it's fair to say that he was like a sexually ambiguous man, took a lot of shit for it. And then he writes all this music, and the and the stereotype is that it's like real maudlin, depressed stuff, but in reality, he's really angry, and he's getting that out there, and I really like it, and I bet you'd like it too. Can I tell you, my uh, suspicions are so deep that I wonder if you met with the publicist who said, why don't you be sexually ambiguous? Because we find nah. our, you look our into notes, him, man. Our studies tell us that uh, sexual ambiguity leads to interest in um, rock music. And he was like, "Okay, sounds not good to in, me." Not in 1982, man. Oh, oh, of course. And then they looked at David Bowie. They're like, "Oh, this worked for Bowie." Hey, kid, come here. Come here, hey, kid. man. <laughs> I'm trying to share with you a thing I'm passionate about. And a I'm person so I think you'd like. And without even looking it up or listening to one song, you're taking a big steaming shit on it. What a jerk. Can I tell you a funny story? Yeah. Okay, listen, I got invited. I to... love you. I love uh, you. This, what an opportunity. This is so cool. I, and I've listened to you multiple times now we're chatting. Isn't the world amazing? You get it out. You get what you need out there, man. And I'll do what I can to get people to hear it. I got invited. To by uh, it was this art space uh, like up in the top floor of an old factory uh, art space and they were having a show and someone involved in the art space invited me to perform at the show okay and I get there yeah. Mr. Mr. Uptight Straight Lace me gets there and um and I'm told I'll be going on fifth or sixth or whatever and so I'm just sitting in the back looking at my notebook making sure I know all the words to my song and guess what happens one of the hippies at this art space walks by with several other hippies, points to me and says, is that a narc? Wow. Can you believe that? I mean, people, people say dumb shit like that all the time. I, I, I'll tell you, I can't, I can't kind of believe <laughs> that. Out of, all the, out of all the rants you've gone on today, that one yeah. is the one that I actually, yes, I, I, am not, I am not so overwhelmed by that one. You don't I, believe the story? No, no, no. I'm saying I, I, compared to like the the, it's just, to me the idea that a hippie would tell call someone straight laced a narc is not as as surprising as some of the other things we've discussed. It just made me mad because in my brain I'm like, actually, Mr. Hippie, I am the greatest creative mind of the 21st century. Shame on wow. you for judging me on my my appearance, <laughs> Mr. Open-minded Hippie. And coming in a few months is is a song called. They thought it was a narc at the hippie attic, which is going to be a big hit. Ooh, you're calling these guys out. Ten years later, yeah, yeah. Ten years later, you're finally getting around. Because you probably put that one in the queue to write, but there were already 11,372 <laughs> songs that you had thought about writing before that one. 
Yeah. You know what? Well, you remind you know, me. Of, yeah. Here's some. Here's some words. I want to share some words with you that remind me of you. You tell me if you agree that these words might capture some of your feelings. Yeah, running down a dream that would never come to me. Working on a mystery, going wherever it leads. Running down a dream. It's so vague, you know? It's so vague. It's like, come on, Tom, give us some specifics. You knew it! Oh, of course. I was trying to get you to say... You liked it, and then I was going to pull the rug out and be like, Tom Petty said that. Maybe you have something in common. But you don't just, you don't just shit on Tom Petty. You have done your research to the of point course. where I can say a random quote without even the tune or melody, and you immediately know it's Petty. Yeah, and it's so vague. Give me some specifics. What is this dream? Does it involve household products? You know? I'm just saying. Who, like, some... who are your favorite? Are you Jonathan Richmond. Very specific. Very specific. But here's my question to you, though, about the petty stuff is you clearly have an encyclopedic knowledge of his songs. Yeah, of course they're good. Of course they're good. He's he's a very talented guy. But frankly, if a record company took um, 30 of my best songs and, 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 you know, forced radio stations to play them and put them in TV commercials, then people would respond to them. Frankly, I'm not even convinced that there's such thing as a good song. I think there's such thing as, you know, you know, brainwashing. And, you know, whatever people hear, they want to hear again. And um, So you say you don't know if there is such a thing as a good song. You just said that. You don't even know if there's such a thing as a good song. I would say, I would say we are sort of indoctrinated with our taste based on what we hear growing up. And then for the rest of our lives, we like stuff that sounds like that or sounds enough. So you're just the next, so you're just the next guy. You're just the next in a long line of people who pick up guitars and try You're just trying to brainwash these people. I'm totally trying to brainwash the people. Yeah. For, for my own success. And I'm, I'm happy to, uh, happy to be honest about that. that. I'm going to name some artists. I wonder what you think of them. The magnetic fields. Uh, well, you know, I saw that they came out with uh, 69 love songs, and I immediately exactly. felt very com- competitive. I was like, what's this? Why are they getting attention? What about me? And I listened to it, uh, you know, spitefully. <laughs> so I don't think I'm a fan. And did you enjoy it or not? Uh, there were a couple songs that I liked, but I, I was too I was too um, filled with rage to really give a, a fair assessment. What if you write an album called 70 Love Songs? Yeah, and also it's like, oh, 69, wow, that's really, uh, that's edgy. You didn't, oh. like, you didn't like the blue, you didn't like them going blue. I'm fine with blue, but it's just like, when you, when you go blue to be cool, it bugs me, and it felt like that was trying to be cool. Nothing. What do you think about guy. these two bands? These two bands, Guided by Voices and Super Chunk, you like those bands? Um, I, I, I know Guided by Voices a little bit, and I, I like their uh, prolificness. Yeah, you know, they just churn it out. Uh, they churn like, it out. Super chunk, same like thing, but here's why I bring them up. These are two bands that totally fit the mold of the type of music I like, and I love everything I hear from them, but I will say on my end, they put out too much stuff. How can I become a retroactive fan of Super Chunk? They've put out so much great stuff, but it's impossible to consume at this point because the back catalog overwhelms me. Do you feel like yeah, well, you might run into that same issue? Well, I, I, change, I have 70 different pseudonyms that I use. So um, you you can just what? pick any one of them. 
You have 70 pseudonyms. Is there any directory that allows people to know these are all you? Are you, are you taking 70 different stabs in the dark at seeing if one of these 70 will catch? <laughs> uh, yeah, more, more or less. But it's kind of a fun thing for someone to like, be listening to one band and then listen to another and be like, wait a second. That's, that, that's the same guy. <laughs> what do you think about, you know, our Stevie Moore? Oh, yeah. I've written a song about him. He must be a dude you like. He just cranks it out. Yeah, I, I think I think that's the thing. Every you know, people people talk about wanting to to write a novel or make a movie or, or record an album, and they talk about it. They talk about it, but they they don't know how to start. And the answer is you just start. And sometimes if you want to write a great novel, you have to write three mediocre novels, and then before you figure out how to do it. But it is. I mean, that takes years. I'm just warning you, we got about 12 and a half minutes left. So any rants you want to go on publicly and use this as a platform, 12 and a half minutes. I'm going to ask you another thing. Yes. Before you discovered music, were you a person yeah. who was already prone to obsessing over things? Um, I, uh, obsessing? I mean, I, I, was, I was writing books, you know, since age six. And poetry. You started and, writing uh, books at age. You're telling me you wrote books at the age of six. Well, yeah. I mean, they, they were like seven pages long, but I mean, I, I had a cover and, uh, you know. And, How many books have you written? Oh, I don't know. I kind of, I'm, I'm not as good as that, at that. But I mean, through grade school, you know, there were several novels. There was one about a group of fourth graders who run away from school on a flying Porsche that we would read, my friends and I wrote it, we would read it to the class. Um, every Friday, the teacher would let us read the most chapter. It was fun. Now that's an interesting thing. Do you feel like the encouragement of that teacher helped unlock your attitudes that last until today? Quite possibly, quite possibly. Uh, so thanks to her. I'd mention her name, but we got to stay anonymous. Um, I'm going to ask you something genuinely, if that's okay. Oh, of course. This is great. 18,000 songs. You have a whole philosophy behind it. I really love your positivity, love your approach. Agree with all of it. When you said you got to walk into a field if you want to get struck by lightning, beautiful thing. I'm going to steal that. I'm probably going to steal that. Good. Listen, here's my question, though. There have to be people in your life who are worried about this behavior. Have to be. No? No, well, that's the thing. I, I, I can see. I know what I'm doing. I know that, I know that it, it, it's... I have self-awareness, you know, I have self-awareness. I, I, I keep down, I kept down a job for 15 years. I have a house and a wife and a kid and another one on the way. I come to, No one know, in your family. life has ever said you should go see a shrink and talk about this. No one, everybody no. Oh, supports no. it. It's so true. Bad. It's I'm true. So it radiates true positivity into those, the people in your life. You know, sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll tell them what the latest album is, and they'll just say, "Oh my, what?" Uh, but what's, in a fun way. What's the darkest you know? one? What's your darkest? What's your most brooding, moody, emotional work born of darkness? Well, I I don't know how dark it is, but I mean, my mom is least proud of the Poop albums, of which there are twelve song, uh, twelve collections of songs about poop. Because do they all come out in a row, or is this a re is this a recurring theme that? Pops in from time to time. Oh, complete albums. One of my bands is devoted to poop songs. But actually, two of my bands are. They compete with each two other. Two of your seventy bands are devoted to poop. Yes, and you and have what did two you do? different musical projects that are both devoted completely to fecal matter. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Have you written a song about turtle heads? Are you familiar with the turtle head? 
Is that the poop pot comes a little bit out, but not all the way? You nailed it. No, I haven't, but I'm, the, that band is coming out with a new album this year, so if you don't mind, I'm going to put it on my list. I would love it. I would love, I would love it if I inspired a song known as Turtle Hit. Yeah, well, um, The Diarrhea Bounce Back is a classic. Poop Into a Wormhole is so good. Kind of far out. I want you to know, because you cold called this thing, we got nine minutes, 18 seconds left, and then the phone just hangs up. The phone just hangs cool. up. So we might get to a point where we say goodbye. Or if you see, I would bet you're the guy who just wants to keep cranking it out until that phone cuts off. That's my guess. Yeah, I'm having a blast. Um, and uh, I could, uh, I got a lot, I got a lot of thoughts, you know, and I'm, I'm down there singing. And, uh, you know, sometimes it feels like I'm just banging my head against the wall. And it's like, hey, world, acknowledge me, please. But uh, you, ever, you, you play out a lot? You play a lot of shows? No. No, no. You ever play on TV? I've been interviewed um, by some local TV stations a couple times. Uh, maybe we'll try I've to get been... you on the Chris Gethard show. If I can sell the network on it, maybe I'll try. Maybe we'll get oh. you to sing a debut turtle head on the Chris Gethard show. <laughs> that would be so great. Oh, my goodness. I would love that. I that would, would have to delightful. violate the rules of this and eventually know who you are, but I think the listeners of this podcast would be okay with that if it led to this crossover of worlds. We'll see. I can't make any promises. I can't make any promises. And our bookers, I will tell you, the bands bands love the Chris Gethard show, and that means a lot to me. So the bands, they really put in a lot of requests, and we got a lot of friends. But if we keep this show going, I'd love to find a time someday. Yeah, no pressure. Um, you know, I'm quitting on June 3rd, 2018. Just keep that in mind. You're quitting writing songs. You've nailed the date. June 3rd, 2018 is the last uh, chance. If things haven't happened by then, sorry, world. See you later. I'm That's done. your 40th birthday. I, That's your 40th birthday? 40th birthday. That's right. Now, um, do you really say, think you're going to be able to turn it off? Do you really think you're just going to be able to turn this off like a faucet? I might. I mean, I'll, I'll still do stuff. I might just keep it to myself like, um, like Salinger. I'll go the other route because I'm making myself super available to people. And it's, you know, Did you it's just compare enough. yourself to Salinger? You got a whole vision in game. You just compared yourself to Salinger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so far, you have compared yourself to both the Beatles and J.D. Salinger in the course of this conversation. I have, and I, I you know, I, if, if you who, who else would you compare like, yourself to? Well, Dylan, but uh, if you don't think you're great, what are you doing? What are you doing? You know, truth. Truth, you got you better own it. If you don't believe in it, who will? You know Henry Darger? Do you know the artist Henry Darger? I don't know. I don't think so, no. Oh, look this guy up. You'd love this guy. He was a janitor. Children in his neighborhood in Chicago thought he was like a creep. There were okay, all these yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. whispers about him. The guy's about to die. They go in his room. They find the longest novel that's ever been written and all this crazy art, the realms of the unreal. It was all about the uh, Vivian girls, these little girls who had penises because they think he never actually saw naked human girls and he figured everybody just had a body like his and he just cranked out art, driven man. You'd like him. You'd like him. He was completely insane. There's people who um, I, I bet just listening to this might might say you have some elements of insanity. I don't know if that's a bad thing, and I think you have channeled whatever insanity you may have into positivity. <laughs> How about Jandek? You listen to Jandek? No, I'm not familiar. Oh, my God. Texas musician, Houston, Texas. Since 1978, he put out this insane 
mostly atonal, like hardly listenable music on vinyl for like an album or two a year that he just self-released. Uh, and he didn't make himself known to anybody until 2004 where, when he just showed up at like a friend's music festival and it's, uh, look up Jandek, J-A-N-D-E-K. That sounds amazing. You know, Mingering Mike, you know, the Mingering Mike thing? No, sir. So these record collectors started finding all these crazy albums by this guy named Mingering Mike. And these were like mm. these hardcore vinyl collectors. And they were all like, what is this? But here's the thing. None of the record sleeves had actual records in them. And it turned out it was some guy who had drawn all these record album sleeves laying out the, the career of this person who never existed. And it turned out that when they tracked this guy, guy down, I, I believe his real identity is still hidden to the world, but one of these record collectors did befriend him. And he was a troubled man with, I think, an abusive past who didn't write music, but really kind of dealt with his pain by making album covers and making the album covers and distributing them to the world. Why can't they be happy? I don't understand. Like, I, I honestly, I feel like people don't respect what I do because I'm grounded and happy. And it, it, it it's, it's a little frustrating. And it's like, I have to change the perception of the entire culture. Um, in order to You're on a one-man quest to respect. change the perception of American culture. Well, I'll tell you something. You say people don't respect you because you're happy. I'll tell you, at least from my perspective, I respect you. I know, but then you're going to listen to my music, and, and after talking to me, you're going to be like, eh, it's not that good. Whereas if I told you this was written by a janitor who went home every night and, uh, and was filled with pain woman, and you'd, abuse. You'd like it more. It's true. It's true. That has a story. Let me ask you two more questions. One, because we got three minutes, 37 seconds, then the phone is hanging up. I want to know. Give me at least one second. You have avoided talking about your past. I've tried to bait you into telling me what's, where all this comes from. You give me a one-sentence breakdown. What led to this? What led to uh, this? Uh, I just, I love, I love the Beatles, love Dylan, and wanted to do it myself, and then just followed a logical course of action. I was inclined towards silliness and, and due to the explosion of online music, if you had a silly word in your title, you'd get a little attention. And I was, I don't care. I just love to produce music down in the basement. Now, can I, can I say something that I think is the opinion of the world who is listening to this? There's one part of that. I disagree with you said, and then I just followed a logical course of action. (laughs) And I want to say on behalf of anyone who's hearing this, you definitely did not follow a logical course of action. A lot of people love the Beatles and Bob Dylan and don't write 18,000 songs. That is not a logical course of action, and you cannot in good, you cannot with a straight face ever try to say that again. My next question, we've got two and a half minutes left. Is there any way you would be willing, willing right here, right now with me to write a song on your feet that will end this podcast? Number 18,001, oh. right here, right now, acapella, or I can make a beat, lay down a baseline for you, whatever you want. Uh, yeah, sure. Why not? Why not? What, what do you need me to do? You're going to go acapella? I'll you need go. me to start humming? Okay, you'll just go. Just and go then acapella. feel free to rip this. I want to say you have rights to this. If you want to rip this audio and put it out on one of your albums as a live exclusive, you're more than welcome. All right. You know, I'm going to try to go all the way to the hangout, if that's cool. One minute, 50 seconds. Perfect length for a pop song. Well, I was looking at the Twitter, and then I said, I'm going to call Chris Gethard, 
And he answered the phone, and I talked about myself for a very long time. Yes, I did. I'm so obsessed with myself. I can't stop promoting myself. Pew, pew, pew. What happened? I was adding some. I was adding a Jamaican air horn hip hop thing. Go, 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 go. <laughs> because I think I am the greatest musician in the whole entire world. I need the world to know. Oh yeah, I'm gonna change the culture. Oh yeah, of America, so that they recognize that I am a genius. And it starts right here with my friend Chris. Oh yeah, with my good friend Chris. Oh, yeah. I've already written a song about Chris, and he can look it up if he wants to on Spotify, and I will earn a half a penny, and that will be pretty cool. Oh, oh, yeah. I also sing about poop. I love to sing about poop, because kids go on the search engine of iTunes and Spotify, and they type in P-O-O-P. Yeah, 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 P-O-O-P. Isn't it up yet or no? You got 33 seconds. Keep going. <laughs> and I sing about celebrities because kids go on Spotify and they search for those celebrities. And then I earn half a penny. Oh, yeah. I earn half a penny. Oh, yeah. That's right. I earn half a penny. Oh, yeah. I earn half a penny. La, 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 la. Eight seconds. Go. Hey, this is fun. Stay in touch, all right? You're the best, man. Peace. Look at that exclusive song. I want to hear your dubstep remixes of that, baby. I want to hear all the remixes you guys can make. I want to thank John. I want to thank Greta. I want to thank Shellshag for the intro music. Support Shellshag, wonderful artists and friends of mine. ChrisGethard.com for touring dates. Chris Gethard Show, we're making new episodes. Really happy about it. TheChrisGethardShow.com if you want info on that. Beautiful Anonymous, if you ever want to call in, please do so. I'd love to talk to you. We'll be back with more next week. Next time on Beautiful Anonymous. She had already kind of expressed her wishes. Like, she was a DNR, DNI. She didn't want compressions. She didn't really want anything. She couldn't even really talk at that point. And... I remember just freaking out, and I remember just before the patient died, she smiled, like at us. Like, I'll never, ever forget that. Next time on Beautiful Anonymous. Get out your passports, because you're about to cross the border into Hard Nation. I'm Mark Hard, a proud conservative. And I'm Pete Hard, a godless liberal. We're two brothers with different perspectives, but a passion for politics. And now we bring that passion to our show on Earwolf. Now, finally, there's a podcast that tells it like it is about what's really going on in this country. That's right. It's the election of the century, and we're the only ones willing to ask the real questions like, Hillary Clinton, what do you order at Chipotle? Or Ted Cruz, who would you cast in Ghostbusters? Check out Hard Nation today on Earwolf.com, Howl, iTunes, or your favorite podcast app. Ooh, it's going to get hard in here. Get hard, people. This has been an Earwolf production. Executive produced by Scott Ackerman, Adam Sachs, and Chris Bannon. For more information and content, visit Earwolf.com. Earwolf.com.